Hello and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 240. My name is John and joining me today is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Wow, 240 episodes. I like haven't really paid attention to the number ever. Like it always is just kind of like white noise when we're Hmm. and I'm usually like doing something else when you're introing. But 240, that's like a lot of times talking about Star Wars for like an hour plus. It's true. And um, I saw some other podcasts that were celebrating their like whatever year anniversary recently. And so I was thinking about like, how many years have we been doing this? And we started, I'm pretty sure, summer of 2015. So I think we're creeping up on eight years. Like later this year, it will be eight years of podcasting, right? Yeah. So prior, prior to The Force Awakens is when yeah. we started recording. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, was a monumental time. Mm-hmm. Also, I was looking at my Twitter profile yesterday, which I never do, um, and it says my name, and then it says um, www.nintendofunclubpodcast.com. So it's been a real long time since I've uh, updated that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, eight years plus, something like that. So, yeah, uh, yikes. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should put Blockade Runner podcast. Now that we're Thank 240 you. episodes in, maybe it's like official enough. Maybe it's, um, you know, it's it's proven <laughs> worth I the... think I think this will have been our longer running podcast. Oh, yeah. I think it already is by some measure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, 240 episodes. What should we do for our 240th episode, Ryan? Um, I think we we should should go back to where it all began and talk about the, the sequel trilogy and specifically, uh, Ray. Oh, Ray Skywalker. Yeah, let's do that. I like it. Um, and you're wearing a Ray shirt in commemoration of, Mm -hmm. of, um, of the, the hero of the sequel trilogy. And, um, Ryan, I, told you i was going to do this and i am i'm wearing a cody Rhodes shirt in uh in in celebration of the hero of this year's royal rumble so you know your your shirt features the granddaughter of uh an emperor and uh Mm. my shirt features the son of the son of a plumber the grandson of a plumber yeah so grandson of mm -hmm. a plumber yeah yeah yep i don't know where to take it from there besides kid (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, I don't know where to take it from there besides to say that we should talk about the like, okay, first off, in the show this week, we're going to talk about a few news stories. We're going to talk about some video games that you've been playing or buying or something, right? I'm a little yeah. bit, I don't remember the details, but I think you know what you're going to talk about. I do. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we're going to close out the show with uh, a great email um, reflecting on 2022 from our good friend Dave Hackerson. So that's the layout of the show. Let's yeah. start by talking about some news regarding Ray, Daisy Ridley, and the potential for more Star Wars projects, stories, etc. with uh, with Daisy Ridley. Um, now I say let's talk about the news, but there's not really any news. No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> news is a stretch. The... <laughs> The, but possibly even calling it a rumor is a stretch. Yeah. Um, but the wishful thinking, I mm-hmm. would say, is mm-hmm. probably more appropriate. 
Yeah, and I'm wishing and thinking. Um, And so basically, Daisy Ridley has um, a new film. And uh, I think it's called Sometimes I Think About Dying. Sometimes I Think About Dying. And um, she's been promoting that. It was at Sundance. She's been doing interviews. And uh, one of the questions that I'm sure she's being asked all the time is, hey, are you going to make any more Star Wars movies? Or are you going to come back as Ray or whatever? Um, So one of those... um, interviews was with uh, IMDb and they asked her that question and she said I mean I'm open to a phone call I'm looking for employment so that's news um, <laughs> and uh, let's see so there was that and so she um, was playing the Ewan McGregor card there uh, yeah the, but I mean that's hey, like, just call me we can do I don't this. hate work I don't hate money right exactly yeah. um, but I mean that's like that's um, a more concrete answer than she's been giving in the past, I feel like, isn't it? To say like, oh, well, I'm open to employment. That sounds, I mean, I'm sure she was just being, you know, kind of having fun or whatever. But at the same time, that's like, sure, I'll do it, you know, which is th- that's that's the most sure I'll do it or I would do it answer that I've heard from her. Yeah. Um, now, to play sort of like reverse psychologist, like analyst, whatever role. <laughs> Part of me is like, oh, man, that might mean it's furthest away from happening because, you know, like I feel like if she was going to do it, you know, or if there was like an iron in the fire, so to speak, as far as uh, a Ray project, maybe she'd be like, you know, what's the uh, Nintendo doesn't comment on rumors and speculation or, you know, some kind of answer like that. Right. Yeah. Um, But but there was that there was that launch at Lucasfilm, too, a while back. Right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Because that and was you had what, a like on her Instagram or something. Like, yeah, she posted a story on her Insta. Hey, I'm here. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like, oh, you know, had a lovely lunch at Lucasfilm. What a great time, or something like that. You know, or great to see these people again. Um, so that was like that was a little kernel, you know what I mean, of uh, of mysterious information. And then there's this this um, response to the interview, which was like, hey, sure, I would do that, or like. Yeah, I would like to get those giant Lucasfilm paychecks again or Disney paychecks again. Um, And then I don't know much about this situation. And it's probably like I think you use the phrase wishful thinking. Um, But uh, there is a a Hollywood reporter writer named Brian Davids who tweeted um, two days ago a picture or a gif of Ray um, from The Last Jedi and um, just the word, oh, so... You know, that got uh, people like me who are like, oh, my God, like, I would love to see more Ray um, a little bit excitable. What do you what did you make of that tweet? I can't remember what you said when I sent it to you. But what did you make of that, Ryan? Um, I, ju- I just did a, a, ch- a chin stroking emoji. Um, mm, that's right. Mm-hmm. Was my response. Um, <sighs> you know, <laughs> I. uh You know, it's hard to it's hard to tell um, with with things like that, like that could have been like nothing. It could have been someone who's like happens to write for The Hollywood Reporter, but is also like, you know, like just, you know, watching The Last Jedi or like thinking about that character or thinking about, you know, the sequel trilogy or some milestone or something. I mean, in the same way, like anyone who uses Twitter just sometimes posts a pic of something and like with, you know, just kind of like 
because you feel like posting a pic of something. Um, so there's there's that. But um, to me, that m- might say that this person has heard something um, regarding, um, you know, the character or future plans or um whatever or you know it could be uh could be it could have something to do with maybe ryan johnson and star wars um yeah that's a great last jedi so that's that's a great point actually um yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Uh, what it's a that's a that's a definitely a pretty logical conclusion to make, right? Is that maybe yeah, maybe he heard something about Ryan Johnson. That'd be that'd be um, just as exciting, or dare I say, maybe even more exciting to me if it was if if that's what what he was hearing. So um, yeah, that could be yeah. for sure. So, yeah, but I think like what's interesting is just um, you know. This is something that I think we had, you know, kind of we've talked at length about on the show of like, you know, we we like this character a lot. And I think, um, you know, I, I think probably like me a little bit more than you, like I want to see like the next thing that happens in Star Wars, like chronologically um i think i care a little bit more about that than than you do um but i think we both want star wars films to come back um and i think we both want sequel trilogy stories to happen in some form post sequel trilogy stories so i think you know i was kind of you know just we'll we'll see what happens with um you know the next films um but you know just kind of like thinking about like what if the next film is you know a post rise of skywalker film with daisy ridley that like picks up with ray's story and like you know following the sequel trilogy and like you know it it's cool like if we you know if like okay well the next film is something that happens between empire and jedi or you know whatever it's like the untold story of you know something you know before a new hope you know and we're we're doing that again like cool like that's fine. Like, you know, stuff like Andor has proven, like you can tell really interesting stories and like well trodden timeline territory. But I mean, how ridiculously exciting would it be if it was like, yeah, this is what's happening next in star Wars. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, that just, uh, that, that got me like really excited in like, in in the like new star wars kind of excitement that like you know we got before the prequels we got before force awakens 
and you know during the sequel trilogy i guess like that that feeling that like kind like isn't quite there with just like the tv shows like mm-hmm. as as good as some of them are like it's not the same thing but like that sparked that feeling of like pre phantom menace pre force awakens where i was like oh yeah. man what is next so that's that's really interesting that you bring that up specifically because like as i've been thinking about this story it's like i definitely want more ray stories and if now's the time they want to serve them up like i'm totally on board and um i'll be thrilled but then another part of me is like well part of what makes ray so special um and part of what makes me so excited for more race stories is exactly what you're talking about is the fact that, you know, it was a major like event and period of time in my life when they were putting out those movies. And if they had gone to a two star Wars movie every year cycle, like they had been talking about and thinking about, you know, at a certain point, I don't think it would maintain that necessarily for me. Like it Mm -hmm. couldn't, I don't think it could quite to that level. Anyway, long story short, I'm just trying to say, I think the longer, they take before coming back with a star Wars movie with Ray Skywalker in it, the more it might feel like a, you know, a major event and, and that kind of thing. And really like part of it too is, oh man, I want more stories with Ray on film, uh, in the movies, etc. But also, you know, if they make other star Wars movies for the next 10 years and then kind of come back with a new Ray movie or series of movies and it's like the next chapter in her life instead of just more of a picking up right where they left off you know or shortly after they left off in the sequel era that might feel more special that way too so you know i mean luckily i don't have the book as they say in the wrestling world you know what i mean i'm not making the decision so whatever they decide i think i'm going to be pretty excited for but part of me almost feels like if I was the one making the decision, I would almost like try to keep it a little more sacred and maybe hold off longer with bringing back like Ray and Finn and characters like that. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think like (laughs) what, you know, you, you talk about, you know, like 10 years or so, like, you know, if this next movie if this is like getting announced, like if, if like craziest thing in the world, most amazing moment, it gets announced at Star Wars Celebration Europe. Daisy mm-hmm. Ridley comes on the stage. Like ev- mm-hmm. we lose our minds. We call mm-hmm. in sick to work. Like everything <laughs> just falls. Our lives fall apart. Like yeah. um, the. If even if that happens, like we're still probably looking at like 2024, 2025 for True. the film. And that's like five or six years after Rise of Skywalker. Five or six years after Rise of Skywalker and a full 10 years after The Force Awakens, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. So, that is true. Like, I think I think you, you know, I think that does give them like. Because we could still pick up with Ray and have no idea what the hell is going on. Like, it's not like it's if if they did it, you know, it it wouldn't be like, oh, this is, you know, 
two hours after she left Tatooine or stayed yeah. on Tatooine or whatever she's doing. Like, um, like it could be, you know, they could just like acknowledge it's been five years, like, and, you know, she'll have aged in real time and, you know, everything. And like stuff could be like wild in like, yeah. you know, five years. Like there's, you know, you think of how the, like rise of skywalker ended like you know it there's like this wild like power vacuum happening like there's i don't know maybe ray is like starting the jedi order up again maybe not like who knows um like you could start and it could be like incredibly mysterious with like Mm -hmm. thousands of questions And, you know, and we know, like, Lucasfilm loves to, you know, tell a story and then fill in the gaps later. There's, like, there would be, like, this five-year period where, you know, there could, they could tell a lot of stories. Like, that's, it's a lot of Disney Plus shows and comic books and novels and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, there's also, you know, I see some talk or some theorizing that um, Damon Lindelof's movie is about to be announced soon and that it is set post sequel trilogy and that it will focus on new characters, but could include, you know, appearances from existing characters. And that seems like that'd be a great, you know, possibility for a character like Ray or Finn or Poe or whoever, you know, um, to kind of maybe not center a new movie around them necessarily right away or a story around them, but to have them factor into um, a new story of some kind. Cause I do, I mean, I I like the idea of Ray being this um, super critical figure in that time period. You know what I mean? In terms of, yeah, like restarting the Jedi order being the symbol of hope and, you know, um, optimism and, Uh, all those things, but you know, maybe it's not time to really like dig into what her story is going forward at that point in the timeline, but you can still use her, right? Why not? I think like if George Lucas had made star Wars movies after return of the Jedi, you know, five years later or 10 years later, I think we probably would have seen Mark Hamill pop up, but maybe it wouldn't have been the Luke Skywalker movies anymore. You know what I mean? And that, that could totally work. So, yeah. I mean, that, that would be, that would be awesome. I mean, you, you would need, you know, you could have, it's, it's weird thinking about like the sequel trilogy characters because they still feel like new to me Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. in a way, Mm -hmm. but also they're like, you know, going to be like 10 years of them in Star Wars, like before we know it. Um, But yeah, you could have them anchor it and, you know, bring in, the new generation and um, you know, there's still, there's like other sequel trilogy characters, even besides like the, the big three in there that like you could definitely do stuff with. Mm -hmm. Um, So you could have them, but then also like start bringing in like new cast, you know, get, get broom boy in there. Like, Broom Boy's a metaphor. He's not an actor. 
Yeah, I was gonna say I don't, uh, I don't actually want Broom Boy, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, but no, there's like um, you know the 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 other you know there are some new characters introduced in Rise of Skywalker that could um, maybe maybe show up um, in some capacity, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it just feels like so much potential um, there. I mean, and yeah. who knows? Maybe I would. I would not be surprised to see Grogu in a future film. Um, right. I, I mean, I highly, highly doubt that he's going to uh, get uh, get killed off anytime soon. Right. Yeah, but I think they need to finish telling his story in The Mandalorian before they right. let him pop up other places. But yeah, depending on yeah, when this I, happens, if this happens, and yeah, yeah, it yeah. rolls, it rolls around. Yeah, I think Mandalorian will probably. Yeah, absolutely, because they've created a new, they've created like a whole new, you know, I don't know how big it is, but a whole new, you know, group of fans, people who have never watched Star Wars before, but do watch Mandalorian. I think there's a significant number of people for whom that's true, and. um yeah, you know, sprinkle a little Grogu into whatever the next Star Wars movie at the theater is, and maybe you entice uh, a lot of those people to come out and see it. So, looking back, what was the one race scene that you're most proud of? Oh my gosh. The thing that springs to mind mm-hmm. is in The Force Awakens with Harrison Ford, the little known actor. He gave me the gun. I say something like, I can take care of myself or something. I think I can handle myself. I was so nervous that when he was doing it, I was like, oh my God, Harrison <laughs> So I was like proud that I got through the thing and seemed fairly casual. Do you think you'll ever revisit the franchise at some point? I mean, I'm, I'm open to a phone call. I'm, I'm looking for employment. And, you know, Ryan, as we talk about movies and people going to the theater and seeing movies, et cetera, um, there was another news story we wanted to talk about, which was the fact that Avatar 2, I guess it's not called Avatar 2, Avatar Way of the Water has uh, surpassed The Force Awakens as the highest grossing film worldwide. Surpassed. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's the fourth highest grossing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, hold on. Third highest. It passed Force Fourth highest is Force Awakens, which yeah. makes Avatar the third highest now. And the number one highest grossing globally is Avatar. The first Avatar. And so Avatar 3, is, or Avatar 2, is number three now. Is that correct? Did I get all this right? Yep, and then Titanic is number two. Titanic is number two, so right? The the James Cameron trilogy, um, the James Cameron cinematic universe. Yes, three interconnected films. Yeah, so Titanic, he has the top the way of water. He has the top three now. That's crazy. Yes, so that is globally, um, yeah, and uh, that is impressive. However, um, I did want to note that Force Awakens. Um, biggest accomplishment i guess or number one spot or whatever you want to say is the um domestic the u.s and yeah u.s uh i guess it's u.s and canada north american box office does that include mexico i don't know um yeah yeah. but anyway it uh it has made 936 million dollars in 
North America. Um, and Avengers Endgame is uh, behind it at $858 million. And uh, the original Avatar is number four on that list, um, I believe, at uh, $750 million. And then Avatar Way of the Water is um, down at number 11 right now. So uh, although it is ahead of The Last Jedi, Avatar The Way of Water. Avatar, or I'm sorry, Last Jedi is number 12 on that list. So, time to get uh, Last Jedi back into the theaters. Re released, yeah. It's it's only 400,000. Well, right now, Avatar The Way of Water is only $400,000 uh, ahead of Last Jedi. But, you know, with uh, with time, I'm sure it's going to it's gonna yeah. go higher than that. It's actually and only, it's only, uh, it's less than $3 million behind the original Avengers movie right now so yeah it's going but Um, also like i mean obviously like you know those those james james cameron uh films are box office juggernauts um but you know they they do kind of do that thing where they like bring them back into theaters yeah globally and like especially in china like every few years so I mean, not saying that James Cameron cheats, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. just something to consider. It's certainly interesting too. Um, not that we're going to sit here and talk about these numbers all day, but it's certainly interesting too to look at the adjusted versus unadjusted because uh, Force Awakens is um, number three, it looks like to me, if you look at the adjusted list, because um, Force Awakens is just over a billion. But Titanic is at 1.2 billion. Um, so that would be number two on the adjusted list in North America. Number one with 1.6, almost $1.7 billion adjusted would be uh, Star Wars from 1977. Yeah. Um, E.T. actually would be way up there on the adjusted list. E.T. is 27 unadjusted um, or t- initial gross. Um, E.T. is number 27. And uh, it would be 1.3 million, or 1.3 billion, if uh, on the adjusted list. So I was like trying to scroll around to see where Gone with the Wind is to make sure like that's not. <laughs> but yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing besides ET, Star Wars, and Titanic and Force Awakens. There's nothing over a billion even adjusted. Anyway, long story short, Force Awakens is still um, number one in the U.S., but uh, James Cameron is the box office champion overall, right? I mean, come on. Number one, two, yeah. and three, it's crazy. It, and it, is I, just, it, it is interesting, though. Like, I was, like, texting about this earlier when, like, I saw the, um, the news about um, Way of Water, and, like, it's just so weird that, like, this is you know, it's the thing that people talked about with like the first avatar, like ever, like so many people saw it, but like no one ever talks about it. Like Mm -hmm. there's like no conversations or like speculation or like anything. And like with this new one, like I literally don't know a single human who has like gone into the theater and like watched this movie, but like, it's this like, massive success and i've definitely not heard anyone like discuss anything about the film outside of like some you know kind of sketchy uh 
indigenous people representation uh around it is like the only discourse like i've seen but like nothing about like the characters or the plot or the music or anything i guess like the the 60 fps action scenes looking weird i saw Hmm. some talk around but that was like an article um but i feel like when there's like new star wars and maybe you know maybe it's just my bubble because like i you know, hang out with... You've cultivated people. a Star Wars bubble, yeah. yeah. Yeah, who, like, care at least a little bit about Star Wars, um, but a lot of people who care a lot about Star Wars. It just, it feels like there's months of discussion with every Star Wars film. And even, like, yeah. you know, even, like, I mean, just in general, like, people still talk about the prequels and like even if it's just like those are bad or whatever like it's still just in conversation in every like anywhere like there's always going to be like that discussion and like even but like yeah it's just it's so weird like I don't yeah, know. No, it, I, it feels I, like Avatar is like a psyop or something. Like I'm being gaslit <laughs> into like I don't even know if these are real movies. Like to be honest, like because I've never seen an Avatar movie. You know, I, I, I see that like it's on Disney Plus, but I've never actually like clicked on it. I don't know. Like, do I get like rickrolled or something if I click on it? Is it just like not a real thing? You've been to the know. theme park, though, right? So you know it's real because you've been to the theme park. I've not been to Pandora World. Oh, I think it's in the um, Animal Kingdom, right? It's like a, just a section of Animal Kingdom or something, I believe. Um, probably kind of like Galaxy's Edge is just a section of Hollywood Studios in um, Orlando. I don't know. I'm not sure how it works. Um, yeah, well, I saw the first Avatar, so I can tell you it's real unless I'm part of the PSYOP or whatever, right? Um so, yeah, um, I haven't seen the second one yet, but I, I'm, I'm meaning to, I want to, um, partially because a former student of mine was, um, an assistant editor on the new Avatar movie, which, uh, That's I was proud cool. to hear. So it's very yeah, cool. Yeah. So I'm like, cool. I need to see it. Um, mm-hmm. I just have to carve out like, you know, three days of my life to go to the theater Five and watch hours. that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. That That's the thing. Like it's a, it's what a three and a half hour long movie like something like that and you know you factor in like driving to the theater like sitting through previews and stuff like that's that's like a five hour experience and like well that, if I, that's it, half of a weekend day i don't yeah. know i don't know if i go i don't know jc if i go in rockford um it'll be at an amc and amc legitimately shows at least 30 minutes of trailers before the movie starts so if you go to a four o'clock movie, the movie won't start until four thirty at the earliest, because it'll be thirty straight minutes of trailers. It's uh, really frustrating. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, congratulations to Avatar. Um, I feel like J.J. Abrams should take out an ad, like you know Spielberg did for Star Wars, and uh, you know that ad, like about the Jaws yeah. themed ad. Yeah. Like. Maybe he already did, and I just didn't see it. Somebody should. Um, I, don't, I don't. I don't think anyone needs to do that. <laughs> right. Ryan says no Personally. to the to the ad idea. He didn't want the ad. I have a bad feeling about this. Your feelings serve you well, Obi Wan, but don't.
Don't let them cloud your judgment. What is your plan, Qui-Gon? When the Trade Federation Viceroy arrives, we must convince him to leave the system. Will they agree to leave? The Viceroy's are cowards. This meeting will be short. Still, be prepared for the unexpected. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Ryan, um, talk to us about the video game stuff that uh, you have going on. Yeah. I assume these are new video games, right? uh, Yeah. Cutting edge technology (laughs) we're talking about here. Um, So I recently um, put together a uh, a retro PC. Um, So because you're a freak. You are a freak. Mm hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. So a PC with, um, you know, like like a Sound Blaster sound card and Windows XP and like an old uh, ATI video card and Mm -hmm. um, all of this. um, That's what I've been kind of working on the past uh, past few weeks. Um, And it's uh, starting to pay off because I am able to natively play some uh, interesting Star Wars games. I've been playing a ton of games um, on this, um, a lot of stuff for my uh, my uh, Twitter account that I use for like retro games and stuff. But also, um, you know, it's been a big part of it has been uh, playing Star Wars games because you know, there's a ton of Star Wars games on like uh, GOG and Steam um, because, you know, for a while, like uh, there were a lot of PC exclusive Star Wars games and there are so many PC exclusive Star Wars games beyond just, you know, kind of the stuff like people people think of. Um, there are so, so many and I'll talk about those um, in a little bit, but um, one of the things I've been playing, and I have it uh, right here, is part of the Star Wars Episode One collection, um, which is consists of Star Wars Episode One Racer, The Phantom Menace, and the Episode One Insider's Guide. And this collection is wild because it, like, it says, uh, "Capture the magic of Star Wars Episode One." on the back of the box here mm-hmm. and it begins like the the little blurb up here though like hey you picked this up at a you know w- what would have been like a software etc or a media play or something um you know back in the year two 2000 and you know the the blurb here starts with the taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute <laughs> Like, and it just goes through the, this whole uh, blurb, um, which is pretty incredible. And it just, you know, reminds me of happier um, episode one era times. But um, Star Wars Racer and The Phantom Menace, those games are like pretty readily available. Um, you know, Racer just got a re-release. You know, you can play it on an N64. Um, it's on Steam. Um, and the Phantom Menace is, uh, like there's obviously a PC version, but there's also like a PS one version, um, that you can play. So it's like kind of readily available, but this, uh, episode one insider's guide was the thing that like really 
was of interest to me. And because that is something that, you know, you can't really, it's not on any like modern platform. You can't like buy it somewhere. You can, you can get it running with some like on modern windows with some like weird workarounds, but you have to like download a cracked version of the game and do all this like sketchy stuff or like be running a, you know, dual boot system kind of thing. Um, So I was really stoked to actually, and I had never, I didn't have it um, at the time. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's software that's like pretty much for, you know, windows 95 and windows 98 did you say how much you picked that up for ryan the uh the the total collection there uh like 20 bucks on ebay oh nice nice yeah. nice okay yeah yeah um that's that's another really fun thing about like retro pc stuff is like no one wants it <laughs> um yeah. so it's uh and I, i'm gonna talk a little bit more about that uh in a bit here but um so this insider's guide um it's basically like it's it's a very uh, multimedia experience um so i think people our age are very familiar with that term um but younger people may not have grown up with uh Incarta or, um, you know, various uh, Groilers encyclopedias on on CDs. Um, but that was... I know, thought you were going to say Night Trap. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, on the gaming side, you know, there was, <laughs> um, you know, Mist, Night Trap, Phantasmagoria were like kind of like the big... Um, games the multimedia wing, yeah. wing commander three starring mark hamill um or or something that would be like kind of a, a middle ground between the two would be like the crisscross make your own music video game for um sega cd Sega cd yeah um but this is definitely more this is like this is Incarta for uh star wars episode one um it is so you can't make your own duel the fates music video with this no, no, there's not no. much in the way of like creative or play in it. But what it is, is this like ridiculous digital encyclopedia. Um, you know, it's just the kind of thing we just don't see anymore in any kind of form. Because like eventually, like in maybe like the the early 2000s, something like this would be a website but um like a fan site but even those are kind of gone now because it's just a bunch of like shitty fandom sites with a thousand ads and pop-up like ad videos constantly now that and you know otherwise people just don't really like even go to websites um so yeah this is a very unique thing um because Basically, you can, like, obviously click around. You can click on characters, locations, um, making of stuff, um, as you would probably expect. But there's also a, um, there's trivia in it that is um, 400 questions. And you have to, like, find the questions, basically, and then answer them. And it does... uh, it does save and keep track of your score. 
um, which is pretty cool. And if you get one like wrong, you you can't uh, you can't redo it. Um, so it like it it keeps you honest. Um, and uh, so that's that's cool. There's also um, there's a bunch of a bunch of video stuff, which is fun. It's like you know the trailers, the um, dual like. I think the Duel of the Fates music videos in there, I, but yeah. definitely like the trailers, the teaser, um, you know, posters that you can like zoom, zoom in on and they're like really low resolution. Um, but there's also all these like really weird videos that I think were like created in house of like things I've never seen before. Like there's a like Saboba. Uh, like a Saboba commercial where like he's advertised or not a Saboba, a, a Watto commercial where he's advertising the junk shop. And it's like a, it's like a used car salesman <laughs> commercial kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and there's like a, um, you know, like a, a video that's like, Bib Fortuna is hiring um Twi'lek dancers like video that was just like made for this <laughs> um, interesting yeah so it's a bunch of stuff that like weirdly I've never seen that and also I think it's stuff like I don't know people like don't really care about so it's not stuff that gets like passed around as much but yeah there is so much content on here and like you know a lot a lot of it is just kind of like you know like your your dk books version of like character bios and stuff but you know even those like you go to the screen and there is like every single like pod racer like you can click on a profile for them and like see pictures and get some like background information it's like really really robust um it it feels like if it was something if all of this was like in a book it would be like ginormous it would be a tome um because it's so much information um so yeah it's a it's a really cool thing um Sounds like you and, need to uh, um, digitize some of that footage, Ryan. Sounds like you need to. I, well, I, I guess it's already has. digitized. I'm sure, but... it's on, I'm, I'm sure it's on YouTube um, if you look yeah. for it. But okay. the thing is, like, y- I'm sure you can, like, f- find it. I'm sure you can, like, watch through, like, a YouTube thing. But there's something about, like, being able to kind of do it yourself and, like, sure. click through everything on your own that I think is, like, you know really cool and special so uh sure. yeah i've been uh i was pretty pretty amped on that um and then in related news um yesterday uh was at a a local uh used bookstore record store um whatever uh around here in colorado and they had um just like a box of like um you know PC CD-ROM games like in the jewel cases for um you know 3 bucks a piece and in in that I got um a uh, copy of Dark Forces Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight and uh 
Jedi Knight or Jedi Knight Two Jedi Outcast um, mm. PC copies of those for PC versions three three bucks a pop, um, and huh. I uh, installed Jedi Knight on my uh, my retro PC and uh, played through the first uh, first I don't know. I guess it was, I played for like an hour and a half, first two or three stages of that. And that's a game I haven't um, played in um, probably two decades. Um, and uh, it is such a good game. It is so good. And I kind of forgot about how good <laughs> that game was. Um, it Like something that's really wild, because um, I believe... Jedi Knight came out in 1997. It combines um, live action, like the cutscenes are like live action people, um, actors, and also there's a ton of CG. Um, there's like like the droids and stuff are all in the ships are all like CG. Um, so it is kind of again in that like multimedia. Um, phase of like experimentation but i think the stuff like considering the time like i was like kind of blown away when there's like you know a a live action character like kyle katarn um sitting he's like sitting at a desk and then like this cg droid like walks in and they like have a conversation and you know this is two years before the phantom menace and I, i like I I remember all this stuff, but I, you know, at the time when I like played this game, because I played it like when it came out, um, you know, at that time, I, I definitely didn't appreciate it. And like, especially in the context now of being like, you know, a bigger Star Wars fan with more insight into like the behind the scenes stuff, like, uh, you know, LucasArts was doing some like pretty wild stuff at this time so yeah like that stuff is just really really cool to see like i i really like the cutscenes in this game like they're super cheesy um Mm -hmm. and there's like some ridiculous stuff in them but uh it's really really charming and like pretty impressive yeah yeah um as you know that's an era of gaming um, or a kind of area of gaming, I guess, that I didn't delve into too far. This is a Jedi Knight you're talking about? Is that right? Yeah. Jedi Knight? Is that what you said? So that's... Yeah. Okay. So I played Jedi Outcast, I think. Not right. Jedi Knight, which is Jedi Knight 2, the, right? Okay. Because that was on GameCube. Jedi Outcast is all, like, it's all computer generated. I mean, it's okay. all, like, in-game engine um, graphics yeah. I think it uses the Quake Quake 3 engine so they just do all okay. the cinematics in the in-game engine so I this gotcha. is kind of like a unique thing but for listeners who are interested in checking this game out after hearing you talk about it that don't in fact have a retro PC like you do um, you know weirdly enough if they don't have a retro PC that they're currently owning and operating <laughs> like you are um, they could uh they could play this on on Switch or like Xbox or PlayStation, right? Like, isn't this one? No, nope, no, not so. This Jedi one. Knight Two, um, Jedi Outcast is available on modern platforms, but not Jedi Knight. 
Yep. Oh, Jedi and Knight this did not come out on PlayStation or anything PC, like that? PC exclusive, yeah. PC um, exclusive. Dark Forces got a PC or a, a PS1 port. Yeah. Um, Jedi Knight is still PC exclusive. Um, you wow. can get it on um, Steam or GOG, I believe. Okay. Um, I But I can't. I don't know how uh, how how good those versions are um i would assume they're they're fine if they're for sale there um so and you would be able to play it on like a toaster of a pc um like uh, sure but um but yeah it is like at the very least i think if you're like curious you should go to youtube and just like watch some of the cutscenes um because they're they're really fascinating but i also think the game is just it's super fun. Um, like it's that, that's sort of like quake era, just really, really fast. Um, first person shooter, but also like a lot of like platforming and environmental puzzle solving, um, where you just have to like get to really weird places to progress. So you have to like, be like uh can i walk on this thing like up in the ceiling like this is weird should i even be up here oh yeah it turns out this is where i'm supposed to go um, <laughs> so it does have like this kind of like exploration aspect to it which can also be incredibly frustrating um it's very very easy to die um in this game but there's like invulnerability codes and stuff you can type in and you can also um quick save at any time um but which you pretty much have to do before any like platforming section um but yeah otherwise it's just like so it's a really really cool game cool okay i just checked uh only uh jedi knight jedi academy is available on mac it looks like the uh the other two jedi knight games are pc only i think so um which is not that big of a deal. I was just curious, but yeah. So I think you're right. PC yeah. exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. hmm, bummer. Um, and then one more thing, like I had mentioned that there's just a ridiculous amount of star Wars PC games that like people don't even like think about. Um, and so I did, end up kind of going down this rabbit hole and uh making making a couple ebay purchases uh recently so um something i've been kind of digging into is the lucas learning line of pc exclusive software um so i've got a couple of those um coming in the mail which is that's a pretty extensive line of uh, of games. Um, there are a lot of Lucas Learning titles on on PC, um, and they've like never been, you know, they've never gotten digital releases or anything like that. So they're kind of like limited to, you know, they obviously didn't come out on. Um, consoles with with one exception there is one lucas learning title that did come out on consoles on playstation 2 it's uh, that it's that 
Bombad. It's the racing Super game, right? Super Bombad Racing. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'm. I don't think. I don't think Yoda Stories was a Lucas Learning title. Oh, okay. Because um, that was on Super Nintendo or something, wasn't it? It was on Game Boy. Oh, Game Boy. Okay. Game Boy and Star Wars Chess predated um, Lucas Learning, but there's like. Uh, <laughs> And that one, of yes. course, is from the software Toolworks. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Software Toolworks, mm-hmm. Star Wars yep. Chess, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, some of the Lucas Learning titles are uh, Pit Droids, Droidworks, mm. uh, Anakin Speedway, um, Jar Jar's Journey Adventure Book. Wow. Uh, Early Learning Activity Center, Star Wars Math, Jabba's Game Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That all sounds really fun. I think I speak for the listeners, Ryan, when we say we we want you to get some of this footage put up on uh, on the Blockade Runner YouTube. Like, how can I see Anakin Speedway? Are you able to make that um, a reality for us, do you think? Or not, not really? Um, maybe. 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 We'll see. Um, yeah, I ordered, I ordered a couple of these. You may need a whole Um, series of adapters and stuff, huh? To get the footage from. Yeah. And honestly, it probably exists on YouTube already. Um, but what, what I will likely be doing, um, provided these titles are compatible, uh, with my PC, which there is always that risk, even though like my PC is extremely set up for, um, just about anything. There are some things that's like, Oh, there's some like weird driver that you don't have that, uh, turns out you can't download anymore (laughs) because like no one has it posted, um, which is the fun slash nightmare of PC, uh, usage. Um, especially in the retro space, but um, yeah, provided I can get these um, running, I'm definitely going to be um, posting them on uh, my my retro gaming Twitter account, Standard Definition Gaming, for sure. So, okay. cool. Well, yeah, I am looking forward to learning more about these and sort of living vicariously, I suppose, through your weird old PC collecting ass. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, let's it's, do that. <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, this is, this is my midlife crisis. I think, <laughs> I think it's, this is what officially it is. Yeah. You could have bought like a Ferrari or a Tesla or something. And instead nope, you have I, a, I wanted, a Pentium, a Dell, uh, <laughs> a Dell from two, the year 2000 with Windows XP. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. Very good.
Um, okay, well, why don't we move on then, Ryan, to our uh, last segment here, which is reading this uh, letter, sharing this letter, this uh, message from our friend Dave um, Hackerson in Japan. And so he, um, I think, listened to our kind of wrap up on 2022, and he had some thoughts of his own um, on those topics. So let's go through them. Maybe I'll read a couple paragraphs or a paragraph or two, and then we'll we'll uh, trade places here, Ryan. That sounds good. So Dave writes, hello, gentlemen. It was great hearing you guys back in the saddle recapping the year in Star Wars that was 2022. Like you, I thought the year got off to an underwhelming start with the Book of Boba Fett. The series was not without its moments, in particular, the great in-depth look at the lives of Tuscans, who unfortunately ended up being massacred in a way reminiscent of how First Peoples were in the Americas. But aside from the wonderful Mandalorian interlude, I have not felt any burning desire to revisit it. It was a fun ride, but not a definitive classic. The Obi-Wan series was wonderful, and seeing Hayden and Ewan pick right up where they left off was magical. For me, the most satisfying part of the series was how they brought a sense of closure for Obi-Wan in terms of Anakin's fall to the dark side, while at the same time showing how Anakin allowed the persona of Darth Vader to imprison him. The symmetry of one half of his mask being cut by Obi-Wan, and then later Ahsoka doing the same to the other side, was a great touch. Uh, Any thoughts on that, Ryan? I kind of forgot about that ahsoka thing oh from rebels did that happen did that happen in rebels that happened in rebels yeah okay yeah i um, mean i haven't watched that episode since it aired so oh okay i forgot about that but that is that is interesting yeah yeah that just wasn't yeah. top of mind for me yeah 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 and that confrontation with darth vader on malachor in the sith temple on malachor i I think was where it was and uh, ellie and i watched that one a few months ago now i just wrapped up my rebels rewatch i think i told you uh we Mm. watched the finale last week so um i have rewatched all of rebels in the last six months or so so that was a great experience yeah uh, Dave continues, ultimately, though, I would say that Andor was the triumph in terms of Star Wars content for 2022. In the prequels, we saw Lucas draw parallels with modern history, namely the experience of the U.S. coupled with Germany's fall to Nazi rule. But these were only readily apparent for those deeply familiar with that history. I believe Andor went even further and made the parallels between not only history, but current events very visceral. In that respect, it does what all great art does, acts as a mirror to our, our world in which we can glean insight via an alternative depiction. As for my top Star Wars for 2022, I would probably say it was developing a group of friends in the Japanese Star Wars fandom and being inspired by them to further explore the Japanese influence on Star Wars. These interactions have also encouraged me to tweet more in Japanese and try to share things from the original English, such as the imagery conveyed by a name like Rampart and the Bad Batch that are difficult to convey in the translation. I feel that Lucasfilm and Disney need to do more to make sure they feel fully included, as so much of the Star Wars universe is still inaccessible to them because of the lack of content translated to their language. Ryan, um, maybe you have thoughts on that as somebody who has lived in Japan and uh, has at least a little experience with like what Star Wars is like in Japan. Yeah, I mean, I think it is like this the way it always felt to me was just um it, it definitely felt like an import more than something kind of repackaged for um a, a Japanese audience like um cuz I remember going to like 
Toys R Us in Japan um, and like looking at Star Wars figures and they were just like they were literally just the, you know, figures that you would buy at like a, a Target in America. Like there, I mean, nothing was like translated on them. If I remember correctly, it was just like literally just those figures. It's like it's like if you, you know, go to, um, you know, a, a place that sells like anime stuff here and it's just like a bunch of you know, Japanese import stuff that's just like untranslated and it's just just kind of there. It's like, yep, we just got this in a box from Japan kind of thing. And that's kind of how I how I feel like a lot of Star Wars created in Japan, at least from, you know, my experience. But I also haven't really like I wasn't living there when like the the Disney um, during the Disney era. Um, so this was free. Um, and then, you know, in the in the times that I've gone back and visited, like, you know, I don't really see much Star Wars stuff. Um, I don't like remember or maybe it was just like the places I was going, but it just didn't. Really. Uh, like a, a main part of. Um, pop pop culture there, sure. um, but I yeah. also like I wasn't there during the time a, a movie was launching or anything, but. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, and we've heard from Dave in the past about like how some of the um, like the the literature um, is like pretty hit or miss um, with whether it gets translated. Yeah. I, I don't know about the video games, um, if those have Japanese language options. I feel like most modern AAA video games are designed for a global market. So they do um, have, you know, you go into like any um, most modern AAA games and there's like a bajillion language options. Um, I don't know if that's the case for the Star Wars games. Um, how about, how about Lego? Is Lego popular in Japan? Or, or not? I don't think so. Um, I'm okay. trying to, it's not something I ever remember like seeing and being like whoa huh that's an interesting thing um i don't because there's such like a strong like model building culture yeah there um with like gundams and stuff like that that's the stuff you see in like every store is um like they have aisles of you know, Gundams and various like model kits in like department stores versus here, that would be the, you know, two aisles of Legos, the two like gendered aisles of Legos that we, that we have here or like the, you know, kids or younger kids versions of it. So yeah, I don't, I don't feel like there's a big Lego presence there. Um, well, you know, I think I'll just keep reading here, Ryan, because it's about Bad Batch, which is a little okay. more yep. my that's thing a, than that's yours. your turf. Yeah. 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 So uh, in closing, Dave writes, in closing, I'd like to share my thoughts on the first three episodes of The Bad Batch. I know it's not your favorite in terms of Star Wars, but as a diehard fan of the clone troopers, The Bad Batch is portraying what I've long wanted to see, how the Empire phased out the clones and how the clones grappled with the consequences of their actions in executing Order 66 and now subjugating worlds in the name of the Empire. 
These first three episodes, especially episode three, show that they are going to take a deep dive into answering these questions. It always bothered me that Commander Cody seemingly stayed with the Empire, and from what we know, he never really expressed regret over killing Obi-Wan. I should have recognized it when we were introduced to the character of Hauser in Caesar 1, Season 1, sorry. But with Commander Wilco refusing to falsify his report and Rampart killing him in cold blood to prevent Tarkin from finding out, we see that the clones were very uh, were still very much morally grounded. This came through with Commander Cody in Episode 3. We first see him showing empathy to Tawny Ames and implore her to give peace a chance. Sorry for the John Lennon reference. Only to see the Imperial Admirable, Admiral immediately order him to kill her in cold blood which Crosshair eventually does without hesitation. Next, we see Cody observe what is happening outside. Numerous transports loaded with the new stormtroopers landing and rounding up suspects, scaring the populace with unannounced searches. Rather than liberating them, they are in effect occupying and subjugating them. This brings us to Cody standing in front of the memorial and asks Crosshair if he truly believes they are making the galaxy better by serving the Empire. That image was really impactful for me as it instantly brought to mind the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. Some dork figured out the Oribesh was just gibberish, but I digress. <laughs> the Vietnam <laughs> weighed heavy. The Vietnam War weighed heavy in George Lucas's mind when he wrote the original Star Wars, and in U.S. history, it remains a major point of contention. Contention. Many veterans in Vietnam said they came to realize that they were the invaders, the evil empire, and began to question why the lives of friends and comrades were lost in a war that was fought on the pretext of a phony domino theory, but in the end served only to destroy the livelihood of many in a nation looking to seize its right for self-determination. I imagine Cody grappling with those same doubts and questions standing before that memorial, harboring a sense of disgust that he's serving something that his fallen brethren probably would not have gone along with. This brings us to the incredible line, we make our own decisions, our own choices, and we have to live with them too. I tweeted that this line hit even harder in the Japanese dub. In Japanese, Cody says, maybe this is where you come in, Ryan. Um, I wasn't following. Okay. Or Itachi wa jibun jishin de michi wo eraberu ni da... Soshite sono seken wo se ote iku. All right. The words that caught my attention here were michi and seote. Michi means path or road in Japanese. Thus, while Cody says choices in English, in Japanese he is implying that each clone has to chart his own path. Incidentally, the word michi appears in the Japanese translation of that I- iconic phrase, this is the way. Warera no michi. Se ote literally means to put on one's back, as in bearing a burden. This reinforces what Cody is hinting at. The cones, the cone, <laughs> the cone heads, uh, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, the clones must bear the consequences of their actions, even the sin of carrying out Order 66. The imagery painted by this Japanese is just stunning and reinforces that many clones are cognizant of what they did in following Order 66. Mm. Um, can we just pause for a moment um, yeah. on this one? So this... Like, okay, so 
this is something I there and you know I haven't watched the new season of the Bad Batch, so I may be like missing something here. Mm-hmm. But like the reason why the the Bad Batch didn't participate in Order sixty six was because they like removed their chips or whatever, or they short circuited their chips or whatever. It because like right like the clones like they didn't have like a choice like there wasn't even like a room to make a choice because it, they were like literally programmed to do this thing um, right and so they were just going to do it it wasn't like a hmm i you know i i don't know is this the right thing is it the wrong thing um there, like that wasn't even like an option and so is the so is the show is that still what the show is saying or is it different now i think maybe the idea now is like order 66 is a thing that happened and when it happened the clones were kind of like like almost like their programming was taken over or whatever, right? Like they were right. under a spell or something. They had to do it, you know? But I don't think the idea is like once Order 66 was activated, now they're perpetually forever under that spell or anything. You know what I mean? So they know what they did, okay. as Dave puts it, following Order 66, but that doesn't mean they couldn't reflect on that and say, we shouldn't have done that or we were, you know forced to do the wrong thing or, you know, whatever, something like that. Right. So that's the idea because this, um, you know, spoilers for those who haven't watched, uh, the solitary clone episode three, the solitary clone yet. Although, I mean, you probably don't care that much if you haven't watched it yet, I would guess. Um, but, uh, at the end of that episode, Cody goes AWOL. Um, and it's after everything that Dave was writing about there, you know, he's, uh, He's in a situation with a, um, uh, what do you call somebody who's, uh, not kidnapped. Um, uh, they're a prisoner of war. A, um, I don't know. The empire has, uh, the, this, this ruler of this planet, um, held hostage. That's the word I was looking for a hostage, um, basically held hostage because they come in and they want to take over that planet. And, this person is like, well, no, we're a sovereign planet and we don't want to be part of the empire or whatever. And so the, this clone force, um, takes her hostage and, um, Cody and crosshair end up going in to, uh, free this person or to, I guess they, that's not what they go in to do. They go in to, uh, to resolve the situation. Right. But it has to, the resolution has to be that this planet joins <laughs> the empire. Right. Um, and anyway, so Cody, you know, really pleads with this person, um, like, Hey, let's not choose violence. You know, like we already went through all this, this awful violent conflict and like, let's not choose that again. Let's make a better choice. Let's choose to, to negotiate. Let's choose to find common ground. He convinces this pus- person to put their weapon down and then yeah, crosshair ends up, taking them out at the behest of the, uh, the Imperial officer or whoever that, uh, is there as well. Um, I messed that up cause it's actually the Imperial officer who's hostage. Uh, cause he comes in and tells this planet like, Hey, you know, we're taking over now. This planet's like, no, you're not. And they take this officer hostage 
And then Crosshair and Cody have to come free that officer. When they do, the officers like kill this person and Cody doesn't want to do it. Crosshair does it. Um, so anyway, long story short, um, Cody makes a different choice, you know, and, uh, Crosshair, you can tell is kind of processing this stuff, which is part of what, um, is discussed in the next paragraph here from Dave. Crosshair is kind of processing this stuff or whatever, but you know, he's very much of the mind, like a good soldier follows orders and Cody is, is questioning those things. Now, I don't remember like what the deal is with Cody's chip. Did, was there a Clone Wars arc or something where Cody's chip was removed? I can't remember. Um, which I, it's like not on the level of not knowing who's got the dark saber, but it's not that far off either. You know what I mean? So, um, (laughs) but anyway, I think the idea, like, like, I think the idea there is, Hey, you know, we, the clones could make a different decision, right? They could do something different. Um, they, they could think, you know, start to think for themselves and maybe they need to because the force that they were, um, the force that they're working for is not what they thought it was or not what they think it is or whatever. So, so that's, I mean, that's just like interesting thinking about like, um, you know, like moving forward. Like, does that mean like, because you would think that like anyone who like, no matter like, you know, what kind of devotion you have to, like, the ideals of, like, serving in a military force, like, you you know, like a, a fundamentalist, like, Crosshair, who's, you know, just obsessed with this idea that good soldiers follow orders. Like, I feel like anyone who is not exactly that would feel some sense of violation following like finding out like oh hey i was just like programmed to like do this thing and like even if you were like oh yeah well you know those were my orders but like no i was like literally programmed to like do this action you would think that like anyone would uh be like Nah, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the show is definitely, um, you know, grappling with those ideas. And actually, Dave's final paragraph here is uh, very much about that, that kind of um, line of thought. So Dave finishes his message with the following. As for Crosshair, I believe they have him set up for a great deal of personal conflict. He has to be sharp enough to realize that Rampart has a disdain for the clones and is suspicious of them, especially after he tells Crosshair about Cody going AWOL. And yet, Crosshair still pledges loyalty to the Empire, even murdering Tawny Ames in cold blood. It will be fascinating to see them explore the motivations behind this loyalty. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, it was it was very very interesting now the episode that directly followed this one was not really exploring these kind of ideas um actually there's been two since then and the the two episodes that followed didn't really you know dig into this kind of stuff too much um so but they also didn't feature crosshair and um you know it it was it's actually been interesting so that was the episode that was the third episode there's been two more um the fourth one featured um just really just one of the crew, the bad batch, uh, and the rest of them weren't really in that episode. And then the episode after that, they were kind of mostly 
all there again together. So it's been a little bit, um, the, the season has, has focused on different things with different episodes rather than being like one, you know, kind of one episode leads directly into the next sort of ongoing storyline type of thing, uh, which, you know, this is in a lot of ways in the style of the Clone Wars. Um, it's not as disparate as that could be. You know what I mean? Sometimes you'd have, mm-hmm. they would jump around in the timeline and everything in the Clone Wars. You know what I mean? And <laughs> you'd have yeah. and completely different groups of characters. thematic and tonal shifts. Yeah. From episode so it hasn't been episode, like, yeah. yeah, it hasn't been like that. But this one that this episode that Dave is, you know, writing about mostly here, um, the solitary clone is, uh, very much a standout episode. And I think there will be more episodes like this one for sure this season, but it's not like, you know, the, the primary, well, I wouldn't say that even, but it's not, it's not the, uh, yeah, it's not the primary style of, um, of these episodes so far, but, um, but the first two episodes did, you know, it's definitely about, um, what it means to be a clone, what it means for Omega to be part of this clone family, how they're going to continue to exist in, um, the post empire, um, or the, I'm sorry, the post Republic, you know, kind of universe. Um, the second episode features them interacting with somebody who is forcing them to question what the empire, what the Republic stood for, what the empire stands for, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's, it's been really good. Um, it's been really good. So I think overall, what I would say in uh, reaction to, to Dave's message here about the bad batch is that, um, I mean, I find the, his comments and insights about the Japanese language stuff really interesting. Um, but you know, I'm, he didn't directly state this, but I'm, I'm with Dave that the, the Vietnam war Memorial imagery in the third episode was extremely compelling, super interesting. And, uh, the bad batch is still not my favorite animated show, but I have really enjoyed every episode this season. So uh, I will say that I think so far this season has been, there's much, I don't even mind the, the GI Joe eighties cartoon archetype, you know, type stuff that they do in the bad batch, but it's really, it's gotten pretty far from that. Um, so far in the second season, there's not much of that kind of thing. It definitely does feel more like the Clone Wars. They are digging into, um, some pretty significant themes and ideas with the, with the storytelling. And, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, we're, what did I say? We're, five episodes in six episodes in to season two right now. And I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty strong level up from season one so far. Um, and I think, yeah, I think the show is going to, is going to be willing to explore some bigger, bigger themes and ideas. It's still silly at times, you know, my guy wrecker is still there cracking me up, you know what I mean? All the time. Like it can be, it can be silly. It's, it's still the bad batch, but like, um, I didn't like the Bad Batch at all in the Clone Wars. Like, if we go back to Clone Wars season seven or whatever, the arc about the yeah. Bad Batch, like, man, no Oof. thanks. Yeah, and I know I've said this a lot of times, but like, you know, I don't want to watch a whole series about those guys. Are you kidding me? Like that that arc of the Clone Wars over and over, it's not. And this season, even less so than than the last season. Um, but again, I like the last season too. You know what I mean? So. It's it, this is coming from the perspective of somebody who did ultimately enjoy season one of the Bad Batch, but I think season two is better. I think season two is um, is is really going to dig into to some interesting um, ideas, go some interesting places, and 
you know, the fact that Dave is able to uh, pull this much out of the third episode of season two is, you know, to me is, um, is pretty good, pretty good indicator of the level of, you know, ideas that at least some of the episodes of this season are exploring. So, um, yeah, yeah, but it's still a fun cartoon. Episode four was the closest to just like a fun 22 minute, like episode of a cartoon for kids that it has been this season. I I still thought it was really good, but you know, it was, it's the kind of episode the fourth episode is the kind of episode that people might refer to as filler. Oh, that, well that episode was filler. I don't think it was filler. I think it was really fun. I think it was a great episode. Um, but it, it didn't go super far, um, or it wasn't super heavy handed in terms of the big ideas. It was trying to, you know, kind of shove down your throat. It was meant to be a fun episode. That being said, the one character of the bad batch that it, um, included, like, he learned something about himself in that episode. I think he knows himself better than he did before. I think we as an audience know him better than, than we did before. So it's not like it's just mindless or anything, but um, mm-hmm. it was a good time. Episode three was not a good time. Episode three was a serious meditation on war and the consequences of these clones, you know, being duped. And I mean, you know what I mean? It was, it was pretty yeah. heavy stuff. Um, the next one was light, but it was still, it was still good. So anyway, um, yeah, I, uh, totally, totally agree with, uh, with, with Dave's, uh, thoughts here. And, um, I, uh, I think again, like, you know, he's, he's, he's bringing together, uh, very succinctly a lot of the major ideas that are part of that episode. And so for me, a couple weeks later after, you know, I watched that episode to read that stuff again, it's like reminding me just how good that episode was. And, uh, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to more, and I will say too that I just really appreciate Dave taking the time to write these detailed messages um, to us. And you know, definitely, I think when we're able to include one like this in the show, it, it makes uh, makes our show a lot better. So uh, appreciate yeah. that very much. You know. Um, so yeah, Dave closes by saying, "All right, I will close this here. I wish you guys a happy new year. All the best, and Dave, we wish you a happy new year. New year. Um, all the best to you as well." I think I think Dave uh, sold me on watching watching at least the third episode of the Bad Batch season two, right? At some point, and probably intermittent episodes. Um, but I just I I I can't hang with the like goofy squad. And like, I just, I don't like those characters, like mm-hmm. the, the bad batch themselves, but you know, if there is like an episode that's thematically rich, um, I'll check that out or something that's, uh, you know, maybe some, I think there's potential for like Omega's story to be interesting, um, and have some ramifications. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I, I can't do, I can't do the, the, whatever gi joe ghostbusters characters that uh archetypes of like that actual crew yeah um, just not uh not my favorite part of the star wars buffet um but yeah i'll probably be like checking out episodes here and there and it is like it is good to hear that like it's a uh, it's an upgrade from from season one yeah i think so i think so um at least overall, because season one, at least in my memory, there was 
there was great stuff in season one. That's why I like the show overall. But I, I did feel like watching season one, at least how I remember it, it was like definitely stretches where I was like, yeah, that was okay or whatever. You know what I mean? But like, I've really enjoyed every episode this season. I have not, like none of them have been a chore for me at all. None of them have been like, I think they're all good, you know? Um, but like I said, tonally and in terms of intention, some of them are pretty different from others. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, I, I, like I said before, I think the solitary clone is one anybody could watch. I don't think you need to know much about the bad batch story to enjoy it. You know, as long as you know, crosshair is a guy who like is, um, is, is, uh, has chosen to stick with the empire, even though some of his friends or brothers or whatever you want to say have, have gone the other way. That's about all you need to know. And, uh, and it's a good story from there. So a good Star Wars story for sure. Um, so yeah. And, um, Hey, maybe if we get the discord going that, uh, we've briefly talked about, um, you know, that'd be a good place to poke your head in and see what are, what are people saying about this week's episode of the bad batch? And maybe that's one to watch yeah. and maybe not, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. All I right. think we, um, we are planning on getting, uh, blockade runner discord up and running in the next week or so um and i think it's probably like a good idea to maybe have like an animation channel in there yeah 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 absolutely um yeah i uh i love interacting with um you know star wars friends and listeners of the show too on twitter but man the twitter experience for me has really Speaking of things getting a downgrade, you know, the Twitter experience for me has really fallen off a cliff lately, unfortunately. I just, I've always used, and we'll wrap up here, but I've always used a third-party Twitter client, and um, that's how I interact with Twitter. And it sounds like such a whiny issue to be like, oh, well, it's not the same anymore because I can't use my third-party Twitter client. But like, it's just completely different. I'm used to... I'm used to having a timeline, like whatever tweet I last read when I open up my third party Twitter client, it takes me right back to that tweet and I scroll (laughs) up and get to the top of my timeline. And now like every time I log into Twitter, I'm like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what I've seen and what I haven't seen. Like, I hate it. I'm seeing tweets from people I don't even follow. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I have lists too. I have lists made so I can look at the tweets I want to look at specifically. And like that barely works. And in uh in the in the the official twitter client so yeah um one thing i just real quick we can complain about twitter for a second here um like i get um alerts on my phone that someone like responded to me or like quote tweeted me or something and then i'm like oh cool i want to respond to that i go in there and it's like not anywhere like i can't find it yeah, like constantly because um, I get like a lot more engagement, not not on my personal account, but on my Saren definition gaming account. Like I get alerts constantly and people are like, well, like ask me a question or like say something. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I want to respond to you. And then I can't find it like yeah. when I actually go into the app. And it's just like it's ridiculous how much worse that site has that app, the site, whatever has gotten in like the past two months. Like you would think like one person couldn't ruin something that big so much, but, uh, one person has, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) like, and that's, uh, really sad because it's still, 
despite everything, it's still the best communication yeah. platform on the internet. Like the alternatives are just at, at the stages they're at right now are just not as good. They don't have the the user base. Like that's just the way it is. Yeah. But like the user experience is just continues to get so much worse. So yeah. Um, if you actually like want to talk to people and like, um, you know, interact with people like something like a discord is like a, a nice way to do that. Yeah. And I think if we make a discord, you know, kind of stemming from our show, it's going to be a pretty small group of people. You yeah, know what I mean? Be five people. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully I we mean, can go a little more than that. But like, <laughs> well, um, it'll start well, out okay. that way. Well, hopefully it could be a, more like seven or eight but like no um it would be it would be yeah i know aim high influencer Um, over here well since you have like fifty thousand followers on your standard def account i think we can probably get like three or four of them in there you know what i mean so um 40 but yeah oh okay Um, okay wow (laughs) uh no no but um i think it would be a pretty small group but like that would be great though to just have like a small group of people to uh to kind of check in on star Wars stuff with throughout the day. And you know what I mean? I think that would be really fun. And yeah. that's, you know what I used Twitter for in the past. It wasn't a small group of people. It's like, you know, a lot of people out there. Um, but I think, you know, like it would be, it would be great for us to have like a little tiny community of people. We could talk about star Wars frequently um, with, and I know there's, there's obviously a lot of discord servers out there and lots of people have like stuff like that already set up, but I don't really know. Um, any of those or anybody in those and you know what I mean? So I think we can, yeah. uh, we can create a star Wars one and see how it goes. So that's on the way. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun for sure. And how many Patreons should we like... set up and lock it behind though, Ryan? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how many Patreon bucks? Um, yeah. patron bucks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> no, uh, sorry. I was just, okay. So we had to take like a little, intermission you you had to go help your wife get her car unstuck from the snow um so there was like a little pause in this episode so john let me tell you about what happened during that pause um so i went and um you know made made a cup of tea and was just like hanging out alone by myself with my thoughts Mm. um this all sounds very european of you but yeah continue mm, (laughs) <laughs> and so I, uh, like, I cannot get rid of this thought of, like, the potential of, like, a new Star Wars film with returning characters. And then I had something, and I almost don't want to, like, put it out into the world because, like, it'll be so disappointing when it doesn't happen, which it probably won't. But I was thinking about, like, okay, these characters are, like, they're still like kind of close to the same ages, but like, you know, every, I mean, sadly, like I hate to say it, but like everyone's still alive. Mm-hmm. Like who was, you know, the, like the core cast from, you know, the sequel trilogy and, you know, you, you never know like <laughs> in life. And, but I was thinking of something and I was like, Oh my God. It's like my stomach dropped. And I was like, you know adam driver ben solo force ghost like uh just like thinking about it and like because there just there wasn't quite the finality 
I think deserving of the the Ray Ben Solo I, I like relationship, like platonic, romantic, whatever. Like there there wasn't finality with that in in Rise of Skywalker. Like there was in like a very literal sense, but like mm-hmm. thinking about like the exploration of their relationship in Last Jedi versus like their final moments in, you know, like they they were ba- yeah there just there wasn't there's so much more that could be explored there, and I think you know without Ray without you know without Luke without Leia, um, not ha- like to still have like a connection to the Force through someone and having it like be, you know, a Ben Solo. Uh, <laughs> I just think about how good that would be. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and if yeah, Adam for Driver sure. Could return or what? Well, there's, there's, there's a time where I'm like, nah, he wouldn't do that. You know, he's not coming back. He's done. And then I saw the trailer for his new yeah. dinosaur hunting movie. And I'm like, nah, he'll do stuff. <laughs> like, you could pay him to be in a movie and he'll be in it. So yeah. I think <laughs> he, I, uh, he's not just in marriage story. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, of course, I think um, a lot of people would uh, would hope for for Ben Solo to be part of uh, if there's going to be significant Ray storytelling going forward for uh, Force Ghost Ben Solo to be part of that. Absolutely. Yep. So I I understand your hesitation in uh, vocalizing it just because you don't want to jinx it or whatever, but um, I think it's safe to do so because I feel like that's it's going to be a, a major uh, elephant in the room or whatever the idiom or expression would be. If, if, if they bring Ray back, like it's going to be, everyone will be talking about that. Let's put it that way. There will be a huge, uh, yeah. that'll be a huge point of discussion. So I think it's okay to, uh, to will it into the existence or, or hope for it um, publicly now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I think, uh, Chances we'll are, are pretty decent. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's uh, well, let's wrap up the show here then. Don't Ryan. say chances yeah. are pretty decent. <laughs> the, I think they the, are. You think they are? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily that the very first project or like the very like, okay, yeah. as soon as Daisy Ridley, if Daisy Ridley were to walk out on that stage at Celebration, then like the next time we see her on screen, Ben Solo will be at her side before that movie's over. I'm not saying that, but I think like, yeah, in the overall scope of things, I think, yeah, it's pretty pretty decent chance that that um, that Adam Driver will play Ben Solo again. You know, um, I mean, just ask Alec Guinness. It's not that tough to to do a, a one afternoon shoot where you put on the ghost robe and have a dialogue with somebody. You know what I mean? He can sit on a log. He can sit on a log and say, "Well, from a certain point of view, Ray." You know what I mean? He can do that. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would die. I would yeah. die. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Okay. But can can a real can a, a force ghost? <laughs> how many midichlorians do you have to? But how many midichlorians <laughs> do you have to have if to be a person of of flesh and blood to make out with a force ghost? Like, how does that? Is there? Um, how does that work? You know what I mean? How how much sexual tension can you have 
with a ghost. I, right, right, right. I heard they're remaking the movie Ghost. Oh, God, okay. I thought you were going to make an awful joke about remaking sequel trilogy movies, but... Um, no. Uh, yeah. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, like, that's that's what I picture, is, like, the, the movie Ghost. I see. And, yeah. But, like, with... with but like the Raylo version of that. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. I'm just trying to think like what's what's the what's the like what is space pottery? You know, like what does space pottery look like? I'm trying to figure that out. You know what I mean? But um I don't know. You know the sad thing calligraphy. is calligraphy. It's his calligraphy set. That is, yes, yes, he yes. Takes, yeah. He takes her hand and they Oh my god. Yeah. Well, Ryan, um, as you can see, my yeah. my video feed just died because uh, I have to change my battery pack on my camera. So I think we're going to have to end our speculation about um, sexy Ray and Kylo uh, scenes in future Star Wars projects and, and call it a day. Um, so we will be back soon with a more blockade runner podcast, uh, in the future, we will try to warn you ahead of time. If it's not going to be G rated, you know, if Ryan's going to veer us off into X territory like this, um, we will <laughs> steamy. Well, we, we <laughs> will warn you about, we might have to have like a, a, a separate section of the show, you know, like Ryan's steamy fanfic section or whatever, um, in the future. But, uh, Yeah. <laughs> I don't see you protesting, so I guess that might be something we do. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't hate the idea. <laughs> Until then, um, you can send us your steamy Raylo fan fiction to blockade runner podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> no, I almost didn't say it, but anyway, you can message us at blockade runner podcast yeah. at gmail.com. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter as frustrating of an experience as that is. We're on the, sh- we're on Twitter at blockade run, Ryan, you're on Twitter at via Malay, V a Y a M a L a Y and standard definition gaming def stand for 80. Yeah, and be one of the 40,000-plus people following Ryan there because he is going to be posting some Star Wars PC game footage in the not-too-distant future. Um, And uh, more on a Discord server, um, or whatever you call that, soon. And um, if you're interested in that, like, hey, let us know. You know, I mean, we're going to do it anyway. But, uh, you know, if you're interested... Let us know. Um, we, we're curious what you what you uh, all would think about that. So, anyway, thanks yeah, very much us, for listening. Give us channel ideas. If you use yeah. Discord, give us channel ideas um, yeah. for sure. I think like I have some uh, top of mind, but uh, yeah, yeah, definitely could use use more. Right, right, right. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks again for listening, and we we will be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast. All the Republic.